Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, King Kong. In the year 1933, history's greatest monster came to power. No, not Adolf Hitler. It's King Kong. Yep, it's Monster Week. This is Matt. This is Luke. You're here for our sci-fi sanctuary. sanctuary. Jinx, you can't talk for the rest of the episode. Easy job for me. You <laughs> <laughs> get quite boring, though. Um, yeah, today is 1933's King Kong. Is that first monster movie? Is it the first? Nah. No, our first monster movie. Oh, is it our first monster movie? Probably. I think so. Is the Terminator a monster? No. So we've we done space, we've done time travel, we've done superheroes. Is Unicron a monster? Now we're doing monsters. Nah, that's just robots Yeah, space. I know. I'm just talking semantics here. I mean, I guess, like, some of the Star Wars films have monsters, but they're not monster movies. <laughs> now, this is a hard one to gauge exactly where you first saw it, because it's so ingrained and everyone's, everybody knows King Kong, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've always been a big monster movie fan as a kid. Yeah, those birds like King Kong as well. Uh, as a kid, anytime an old classic like stop motion or man in suit monster movie was on the TV, I would sit and watch it. I'm pretty sure I rode the King Kong ride at Universal Studios before I saw the movie. And the ride is based on the 1976 one. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get to eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I maintain that I want to cover every King Kong film. Son of Kong was the same year. I know, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> Especially... <laughs> the, um, that, the reasoning was, oh, we can only do a sequel if it comes out soon, because otherwise people will forget King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they threw a, an equivalent amount of dinars into this as uh, Metropolis got Reich marks. It, yeah, um, just watching it, you can tell this was a big production. There's one other big thing. Um, oh, so before I get to that. Yeah, so I rode the ride. I I think I probably first saw the movie coming to it from a like film scholar perspective in my late teens when I yeah. actually like thought about that sort of thing. So I what you know when I first watched it, I was actually like paying attention to like the structure and the you know the cinematography and the missing scene and all that sort of stuff. And uh, so, you know by the time the Peter Jackson one was announced, I had watched both the old King Kongs many times. Um, I just love this shit. So stop motion, gorilla killing a dinosaur, <laughs> sign me up. Like, I think I've never seen 76 King Kong. Really? I've just ridden the ride. Ah. But here, that's again, that's part of the thing about this movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very well, it's, yeah. is it a little bit stupid? Well, in the way that a monster movie is stupid, sure. You want a bit of stupid, right? Yeah, yeah, you want a bit of stupid. But as far as how it's made, um, one of the things I really like is Unlike, especially older movies, the plot just keeps cracking. Like, everything kind of leads to the next thing. There's no wandering around in this movie. Well, I remember... Well, except I was... for the wandering around the jungle, but... <laughs> so, I made a point. Um, King Kong first appears at, like, 40 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah. But it felt like it hadn't been that long. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about the remakes too much, because they'll probably eventually get an episode. People complain about the 2005 one being slow. But this one did take a while to get to Skull Island, but it was just, it was all stuff was happening. Yeah, I mean, it's a good 45 minutes, even if you don't have um, the, the monster itself. Uh, one other thing before we get too deep into the film is um, 1933 was a very good year for movies. Okay, hit me with some others. Um, Duck Soup would come right off the top of my head. Uh, Public Enemy and Scarface might be a little bit earlier, but around this time. But I really wanted to delineate between 1933 and 1934. Why, what happens in 34? Haze Code. Ah. That's why you can have 
of giant gorilla ripping off people's heads in this movie. Yeah, yeah. A year later, chopping them up and chucking them off buildings. And... Yeah, yeah. A year later, you could not get away with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, you know, the the, the last of racy Hollywood for yeah, a few decades, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So this one wouldn't have been one of the ones that made them decide to implement that, right? I it think it was more for sexy over stuff. The top. I right. think it was more of a sex thing, but right. violence came in with that. Yeah. But. At the same time, this was a pretty successful film, and it was pretty violent, and kids were seeing it, so it might have had a role in Maybe that. Maybe I'm just looking at it from the year 2019, where it doesn't seem yeah. violent at all. I, I always remember the Hayes Code thing being more like, oh, we don't want to have like a married couple in the same bed for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Which you will see in Hollywood films before 1934. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you will not see for the 20 years following that because of the code. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, look, you, know, you can look that up, but it, there's lots of very strange uh, stipulations with the Hayes Code. Ah. Right. But yeah, I didn't really come to this movie till probably I was 19 or 20. Uh, when, did, when did you first watch the whole thing? Oof, I'm possibly before I started school. Okay. <laughs> like, like I said, if there was a monster movie on TV, I would like reading the TV guide beforehand, circling them with a pen and I yeah. had to watch those. I yeah, just loved monsters. Yeah, for me it was. Um, I remember trying to watch Ultraman, Ultraman, yeah. on the um, on like a UHF station that was kind of coming in grainy, so I'd have to watch it slightly grainy. But yeah. I liked watching. It. And, but I felt like I was getting away with something. Same with SCTV. That's how I saw SCTV back in the day. Right. Um, and then for some reason, I would, what I would circle in the TV guide and then set up the VCR for was, um, like two, three, four in the morning, hour-long westerns from like the 30s. Huh. We talked a few weeks ago that I, I don't actually like westerns that much, but when I was like 10, for some reason, I, I don't even know, I guess I watched them all. I, I do like 30s westerns more than later ones, I guess, in a way. Oh, even the 40s, by the 40s. No, no, I want, the, I want it earlier. I guess they were, they were still figuring out and you can see it. And well, it, it also might be another Hayes Code thing because they were just killing people at front and center. Yeah, I feel like some of the ones that are circling was 36, 37. So, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but a few might have been earlier. I know, I think uh, Stagecoach, what year is that? It might have been 40. Anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's, a, it's another movie. But today's movie, it's King Kong. So um, this movie, it's a monster movie. It does have a plot. Are you going to tell us that plot? Yeah, go on then. I'll give it a go. Plot us. Filmmaker extraordinaire Carl Dannem is famous for shooting his pictures in exotic locations like jungles. He's come into possession of a map which will lead him to a never-before-seen location, and he needs a leading lady for his film. But no women will work with him because he's got a reputation for a dangerous misadventure. Weinstein. So, slightly creepily, he goes and picks up a borderline homeless woman and offers to, you know... Let her eat if you're coming that very next day. Come on a boat with him. Uh, on the boat, she very rapidly falls in love with the first mate. <laughs> then they arrive at the island where the <clears throat> slightly dubiously portrayed islanders <laughs> worship an entity called Kong and offer up female sacrifices to their god. The islanders see Anne? Yes. Okay. Oh, no, because no, in the 76 one, she has a different name. Ah, okay. She's dawning that one. The, the islanders see Anne <laughs> and decide that she will be the next sacrifice. And so they sneak aboard the boat and kidnap her and give her to Kong. Kong is a big-ass gorilla, and he is very happy at this little snack of white meat. So he takes her away into the jungle and is pursued by our heroes. Along the way, they encountered dinosaurs, pterodactyls, just like a lizard. <laughs> and Kong, although mostly just being a monster, does protect Anne from some dinosaurs in a sick fight. But eventually, 
her love interest man manages to find her and take her back to the ship with Kong in hot pursuit. Kong is knocked to sleep, taken back to New York, and displayed in chains as the eighth wonder of the world. But, of course, he escapes, goes on a bit of a rampage, finds Anne again, takes her to the top of the Empire State Building, gets shot by airplanes, and falls to his death. But it wasn't the airplanes. It was Beauty Killed the Beast. Falling apart at any moment, just doing my Keith Moon impression. Could dial 322 for a skunk and bones to live through interesting times again. Visions of Gaza flourishing in green, faces of kings in mountains I'd seen. So, our director, uh, Denim, his filmmaking plan makes zero sense whatsoever. It's just, his only cast member seems to be her, right? Who he just found, but okay, so is he making a documentary? But he seems to be making a drama, but he's got one person on the cast, and he's, he's going to Skull Island, he knows something's there, but he doesn't know what it is, and yeah, like, how is he planning to get anything out of this? He, I have no idea. He doesn't have a script or anything. He doesn't even know it's there. He's just hoping a monster will chase her and he can film her screaming. That seems to be his whole shebang. <laughs> yeah, this movie would have been quite different if his boat was heading for Epstein's Island, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> that's how it played out. But <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But, you know, he says, no, no, I'm on the... They at least... She at least reacts like she knows this could be something a bit dodgy. Right, right. Like, well, so the filmmakers were aware, aware, right? <laughs> it's um, one thing that is amazing is how many moments from the newer remakes are actually in the original. Just little character moments and stuff. Yeah, it's well written. I yeah. mean, this is a tightly apart now, from the fact that his film makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, Denim's movie doesn't make any sense, but I mean, he's kind of an idiot anyway. Well, which... if, okay, so if he's being charitable. He just wants loads of stock footage for his movie, mm. and he wants her to be in some of it for production value. That's a step Then he'll Ed film Wood. the plot when yeah. they get back, right? Okay. Because Ed Wood, he'd just take the stock footage. He didn't make it himself, so... Yeah. That gives him a, a little... Oh, oh! Well, but he's got a reputation at the start of this film for being the guy who films lions and stuff, Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, the uh, diner. That, the diner where he does hire, hire Anne? Uh, <laughs> I... Swindle her? I, I'm not quite sure, but uh, acquire, acquire, <laughs> yeah. Um, man, that is. I, I tell you, I, I worked one summer uh, near New York City, so it's like a summer camp. My days off, I go into the city, and that was always the diner I was looking for. It wasn't Seinfeld's diner. I was looking for the one in this movie. Ah. <laughs> does, it, does it exist? I don't know. I just find I, places with this vibe, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Although like they weren't it. by the docks, I guess you gotta go by the docks, don't you? Yeah. Where 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 Anne hangs out. <laughs> Lots of semen in this movie. <laughs> Simpsons already did it, sorry. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I, just, I just had to throw that out there. Oh, um, yeah, you, in, in your plot, you were getting to some of the unfortunate um, depictions in this movie. Yeah, uh, even before we get to the island, we've got Charlie. <laughs> yes, Charlie. Here's, I, I'm a little curious. Uh, so the actor is at least of some Asian descent. Or I, I guess. Um, I wonder what his real voice sounded like. Yep. Is that just how all like Chinese actors were told to talk in films in the thirties? Yeah. Well, most of them were white actors, so well, at, yeah, at yeah, least this at guy. Least it's not just Sean Connery with his eyebrows like combed up. No, I can never quite work it out. The other very um, the, the thumb that sticks out is, of course, is the depiction of the Islanders. Um, what percentage of them are actually in blackface? I can't tell because it's a grainy black and white movie, right? A few but, of them, like, like the main guy is not, is, is a white guy, right? I couldn't tell. I think he might have been. He might have been looking more closely than me at that, but... I was, yeah, I was like trying to figure out how many... Because at this time in Hollywood, you know, they didn't cast many black actors, so... Right, but in a lot of the crowd scenes, they definitely seem to be real. Yeah, I think they at actors. least had some of the extras, but... Oh, oh, and his language. I have to read some of the things that I'm pretty sure I heard him saying... Um, this is in the made-up Skull Island language, right? Yeah, I think he said Costco somewhere in there. <laughs> I, I heard potato. 
Sometimes they say Rama because they make that weird thing. Oh, it must be Egyptian. I'm like, one, there, there actually is like this interesting, you know, kind of a little fringe theory though that the Egyptians would have actually made out connecting Easter Island. But um, the crew's assumption that this must be Egyptian seems a little far-fetched. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the guy is like, Rama, blah, 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 potato, blah, well, blah, blah, um, Costco. There was a, Mashed potato, excuse me. There's a period where Egyptian was just the shorthand for foreign and interesting. Uh, it's actually where the word gypsy comes from. Yeah. So just, they are foreign, therefore they are Egyptian. And I so think... So I think that was just a way to say to the audience, like, Oh, look, it's old, but it's good. Yeah. Like, oh, look, they built a big wall. They're impressive, <laughs> like what the Egyptians were. But the people, the people they describe, I think not once, but twice as crazy black people. Uh, Charlie definitely says that when they take Anne. And I think there's a second time, too, and I'm just, you know, like, palm, palming my... Yeah, I mean... Palm slapping myself. This film will be, like, it's like 90 years old. So I wanted to give it more benefit of the doubt than I am a lot of films. And also, the overall message of the film does seem to be that, like, colonialism is bad, so... Yeah, I got 2020, 2020 man feels slightly uncomfortable watching this, but right. that isn't to take away from the fact that it's a, a very good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, you know, I, I don't think it's especially egregious. Yeah. But it's definitely, it's noticeable when you're watching it now. And I'm interested when we get to them to see how well any of the remakes update it. I don't remember them doing that good of a job. I remember in the 2005 them having kind of like, it looks like they're covered in chalk all the time in yeah. their villages. Like these people at least seem to be like living the life in their village, except for the uh, terrors on the other side of their wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Uh, the, the newer, I know the Yeah, Peter it's hard Jackson to imagine it, the newer one having a society outside of donating women to come. Yeah, it makes it look like apocalyptico, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where this one, hey, you know, at least uh, they seem to be. Again, that's what you mentioned imperialism. That's going to be my next thought. Um, the islanders have a very strange situation. Okay, they are sacrificing people. That we're, we're just going to put a, a bad stamp on that. Right. But otherwise, uh, their boat crew is very much just sticking their nose in to where they don't belong. Yeah. And then they discover Kong and think, oh, we're going to take him back to New York and in chains. Yeah, it's like, you know... Like, I wrote, the white men with guns should be able to solve this dilemma with the crazy black people. Which is yeah. pretty much what they say in the movie. Yeah, Americans with guns, we found a dinosaur, kill it, it's coming right for us! But what's great is that they do pretty much turn out to be wrong about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is good for a film from 1933, No, I, wrote, right? I, I think I'm rooting for the tribesmen in this conflict. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. Except for the I, human sacrifice. Always, members. in all of these films, I'm rooting for King Kong. Right. Mm. But in this, like, in most of the later ones, they do more of a job to make him, like, he's your meant to, right? But right. in this one, they mostly do shoot him as just a monster. Yeah. A, a lot of the close-ups on his face uh, made me think of Grandpa Itchy from a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yet somehow better. <laughs> oh, it's better here, of course. That's King Kong, we all know. But he definitely has, like, sort of a grin, like, yeah, yeah. you know? But, like, they never really get, give you the impression that Anne likes him in this one. Oh. Which is a big factor, I think, in both the remakes. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's... Like, here, she's terrified of him, and then, like, she runs straight back to Driscoll. Yeah. And then, like, when Kong finds her again, she's, like, screaming. Whereas, in both the other ones, she is seeking to help King Kong, help King to protect him. She, she doesn't have the crazy eyes. I think I still like Metropolis Maria better. Oh, I love Maria, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we got Imperial... So, we're, it's about imperialism. Yeah, I put that... Well, in I my... think, so... We're covering this in a science fiction podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And today, this film would pretty much be fantasy. But I think this was the last time in history where it was feasible that there was just an island out there with this shit on it. Well, it's like Jurassic Park is science fiction. I mean, they got the you know DNA stuff, but yeah. in the end, it's still trawling out into the jungle and right, but I mean, facing dinosaurs, which is sort of the same thing here. But uh, in 1933, the world wasn't completely explored, right? There wasn't satellite maps, there weren't... Like, it was World War II was where we... The whole world had to be mapped and mm -mm. organized completely. In 1933, I think it was very believable that, yeah, there probably is an island out there and who knows what's on it. So, would you so say... this felt more like... This was more science fiction then than it is now. Okay, would you say in 1933, anthropology was more of a hard science than it is now? I mean, maybe your explanation just said that, but... Anthropology? Anthropology. 
archaeology is digging up stuff, right? Right. Anthropology would be studying um, cultures, right? Outside of, or you study, if you study your own, I guess it's like um, social science. Yes, sociology. Like. But, but if you're looking at other cultures, it's anthropology. Yeah, I get. Well, I mean, back then there was probably still a lot of very problematic ideas of like trying to rank societies and stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We you mentioned phrenology last week, right? <laughs> I think I think that was out of fashion by 1933, but um, yeah, but there was still definitely well, it, World War Two. A big factor in that was that there was still this idea that the, you know, the white Western races were on top, and then maybe the Asians were under that, and then under that was the blacks, and it was. And this this movie puts those tribes people at the bottom of the heap. Like 100%, you're not. Yeah. I mean, the, watching this movie, especially when it's made, you're not supposed to identify with them at all. They're just like well, crazy they, they're moves. they're not supposed to be any more human than King Kong and the dinosaurs are. Right. But now, yeah, now I'm thinking it's like, what are these people doing here? Get out of here, you know? <laughs> but that, that's the imperialism kick, I guess. Um, yeah. At the same time, this is an American film, and America was doubling down on isolationism at this particular point in time. Huh. They did, uh, if you remember uh, World War II, America didn't get in until Pearl Harbor. Right. At, by which point everyone else had been at it for two years already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, after World War One, right, it was... We don't want any more of that. We need to just concentrate on fixing our own economy. Yeah. New so, deal, all of that shit. So imperialism would suggest that they're getting out there. But at this point, America is basically laying pretty low on the international scene, which is, it's hard to think of that now because it's certainly... Uh, yeah, they got their, their yeah. love sticking their fingers in pies that are invited to. Yeah, maybe this film is like a political diatribe that America should rela- remain isolationist. Very possibly. Not, not really. Oh, yeah, but it, well, <laughs> bringing a foreign element into America was bad, was like the most basic element of the message of this film. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying, you're, I don't think you're completely off base there, <laughs> but I think, like, I don't think any of that was conscious. <laughs> if you read interviews with, um, I forgot his name, Mer... Meriden, is that the guy? Uh, th- that's the first man? No, 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 the actual man who made King Kong. Oh, oh, crap, we, I should have put that in my notes. Oops! Uh, um, Shall we, shall we? Yeah, we're, I, I opened up the wiki page. I didn't read it all. Um, just I've, to, I've read the King Kong wiki page many times just for my own amusement. Okay, so. there you go, there you go. <laughs> no, I'm just throwing out that um, if we're a little off, we, we, we work for the same company and had, had the Bacchanal last night, which, which you stayed for for longer than I did. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was karaoke until 3 a.m. last night. So. <laughs> uh, any bit, I, I want to hit any more just, you know, major things. Themes: uh, Denim can't make a movie. Imperialism. Um, I guess unintentional racism or intentional. I don't know. <laughs> pretty awkward love story would be the other part. <laughs> um, That's here, but it's definitely like you said. It's definitely um, not more subtle. I guess it's less for super. Cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't mean. I don't mean the. Sorry, I'm not actually talking about her and King Kong. I was talking about her and the first mate. I assumed he was gay, to be honest. Well, he, he, it, they, it was just such a, a cheap, like, oh, I don't think a woman should be on a boat. Yeah. Oh, actually, I guess you're all right. Oh, now I'm in love with you. We've known each other for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote in here, quote, uh, one weird innuendo in the dialogue with the first mate. I love you, but Jack, you're queer. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got the voices wrong. Switch it. I love you, but Jack, you're queer. There we go. <laughs> that, that's how I heard it when I was playing. Uh, Marion C. Cooper created King Kong. Okay, there we and go. And he literally just said, yeah, I want to make a film about Big Gorilla because I like gorillas. So... You can't fault that. No, but I'm saying I don't think there was any colonialism angle there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, one, one more just, um, how did this happen? If it's so dangerous outside the gate, how did they manage to build, like, a megalithic carved platform out there? Is it, like, okay during the day? The Kongs built it. Oh... Kongs. There's well, more Kongs. There's the son of Kong, I guess. Yeah, he's just the last Kong before there have been many Kongs. Yeah, okay. Well, because they never really say it in this one, but the implication, like, especially in like Skull Island, is that Kong protects the humans from everything else, and that's why they give him the women. Right, okay. I got it. Because that wall wouldn't keep all those dinosaurs out forever. How thick is it? He can't bash through it. Yeah, but he was protecting... Okay, that's what, okay, he was protecting the poor gotcha. Yeah. Now he's not. Yeah, because they took his woman away. (laughs) 
said a little bit about the characters, like Denim's an idiot, um, and I have an inkling that the first mate might might like the semen more. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, let's uh, let's talk about the characters. Well, interesting about Carl Denham in this one is he is very much at the start of the film. Everyone loves him. He's like top dude. Is great at this shit. And it's only by the end of the film that he's fucked everything up by bringing King Kong back. So, but he didn't, like I said, he didn't have like a, any plan really. Is no, he just, is, is he just lucky so far? He's just, well, no, but he's just, his plan is I'm good at filming wildlife and stuff. Right. Everything, like as far as he's concerned, the audience has come to see that shit and it'll slap a story on so he can call it a movie. Well, he's perfectly happy once his whole, I mean, he's, he's, you know, everyone's dead. This is awesome when his entire film crew eats it. Yep. And half the crew of the boat. <laughs> Was it 14 people? It looked like more than that. I'm not sure. I think they said a number like 14. Okay. But, man, hey, and, and that's a good film crew. They built a functional raft in, like, 20 seconds. Yep. <laughs> and they got chopped off a big log. Yeah. Well, shaken off the log, really. Yep. I think, yeah, I feel like they said 14. But yeah, I, um, Denim is probably the character, as you know, pretty much all the characters are done better in the various remakes. Mm. But Denim particularly, he is portrayed way too heroic in this one. But maybe that's deliberate because then it's like his fall from grace or whatever. But you don't really get to see that. Well, I guess one thing is um, he's very prominent in the first part of the film. Mm. He's very prominent, of course, displaying Kong in New York City. Right, when, but for when most of the adventure things, stuff, he's when, not involved. Right, he's in the back seat, if there at all, right? That's when our, our heroic lad takes uh, center stage to save our damsel in distress. So I guess we need to talk about those two. Um, because obviously, Faye Ray is given top billing in this film. Right. Because, of course, Anne is the main human character. Mm. But she is mostly just a damsel in distress throughout this film. Right. She gets a lot of screaming. Hey, um, this movie, um, I, I think the actual Wilhelm scream comes after this from a Western, but man, if you were in here, it definitely sounded like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's Not a lot hers. of just guys yeah. getting killed by monsters and chucked off things, so they yeah. needed a lot of stock screams. But yeah, it's those wonderful screams that, as we have mentioned past episodes, you just don't hear in movies these days. Nah, not so much. It's just nice to hear some dude shriek before getting eaten in half. Often by herbivorous dinosaurs in this film. Oh, yeah, the stegosaurus, man. The stegosaurus, the brontosaurus, they were all just killing people. I know, when I was six, stegosaurus was like, he's a nice one, he's a cool one. But, man, stegosaurus will fuck you up. Yeah, here. yeah, he doesn't give a shit in King Kong. <laughs> Why does he want to eat people? I know, the stegosaurus just charges them, I think. It's the brontosaurus who's, like, picking them up and biting them and chomping them. <laughs> well, he hasn't... Well, wait, okay, he hasn't, he hasn't seen that kind of human. Test it out. They might be plants. He doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just self-defense. Humans are assholes. <laughs> oh, here's why um, that guy wasn't tasty, so he curb-stomped him. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's happened. Like, that's King Kong's, like, number one move against humans. Just bite them, then throw them on the floor and stomp them. <laughs> um, are, we, are we finished? Oh, we're on the first mate. Okay. So, yeah, the first mate. Yeah, first here's mate. Here's the point. Is, I, what's the first mate's name again? Yeah, that's my point. No, I, I knew it just now. Yeah, I know you're an expert on this movie. Driscoll. Jack uh, Driscoll. I only know that is Driscoll, okay. because that's the name of the much more interesting character in the 2005 one. Oh, okay. That's I, um, I actually Adrian write, Brody's character. I did actually write Driscoll down once or twice in my notes here, so yeah. I guess it stuck at least that much. But right, it, it didn't stick because of this character. It stuck because of a later character. Hey, one other character I'd like to talk about who's actually probably the most even-headed person in this movie is the, the boat captain. I, I kind of liked him. He usually has pretty good advice for everyone. Yeah. And they don't listen to him, but... Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, maybe don't take her onto the island. We don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should keep screwing around with this. And, you know, maybe they shouldn't. And, oh, oh, and here's any modern movie. They show up, Skull Islands, and Shroud in Fog. It's like, well, we got to make our way through. We're here. They wait for the fog to lift. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually a good captain. <laughs> It's like, no, we're not going now. That's a terrible idea. Just wait, like, five hours. <laughs> yeah, he's a top dude. So he's smarter than most people in films these days because they just go barrel-headed in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was He was actually a legitimately good captain, which you very... Well, yeah, normally it would be 
you're meant to think, oh, this guy's an odd stick in the mud. I want to side with Action Man wants to do something and screw the odd guy. But Action Man's the first mate anyway, right? So I guess Action... Here's the thing. Action Man is... um, Denim, right? Yeah. But he's not really Action Man because he can't actually do that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, other people, they're, they're just following the whims of a madman. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, again, I think that's something which is done very subtly here, but is leaned into more in later ones. Yes, yes. Because he is just taking them on this fucking mad map that he got from some weirdo yeah. into well, danger. Well, yeah, this movie's broad strokes. It's 90 minutes, right? Yep. Uh, well, it's a little longer than that, but... Uh, I think it's... About 100. It's about one hour 40, I think. I mean, how much that detour do we really need? I mean, I guess, you know, you're going to remake it. Yes, get into it. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get into it for three plus hours. I'm not sure. We'll talk about that another time. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, this, this, it just gives you what you need so that by the time you see King Kong, there's some people you care about and you're on for the ride. And it does that very well. Well, then there's the character we actually do care about. Kong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he is. Such a like he's a treat to watch, ninety years later. Yeah, I mean, you know, the weird stop motion looks goofy, but it still it it still carries some character, you know. You got bug crawling on your ear. Oh man, is it gone? I still got. No, it's still there. It's like it's up in the top part. No, it's gone. Okay, up there it goes. Yeah. Better than a Kong in my ear. (laughs) December and we got the bugs. What's up with that? Yeah, Yeah, we are like, I've sat outside in shorts. And it's December 16th. <laughs> Anyone was wondering if global warming is real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cold a few days ago. And probably it comes and goes, yeah, yeah, it's definitely warm today, though. Uh, I, I'm not wearing my crazy man Bright hat. blue skies. Barely see the clouds. Chemtrails are gone. Oh, yeah. I came out of the station today. It was like a grid in the sky. Yeah, I saw a few today. Yeah, okay. Hey, um, I'm so... I'm you. They're not chemtrails. <laughs> anyway, Kong's in love, right? I mean, he's horny. Yeah. So would Kong... <laughs> with those eyebrows and that smile. Would Kong be happy with, like, a life-size Barbie doll or a well, eight-time-size fuck pillow? <laughs> some of those shots, he has got a life-size Barbie doll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, give him that. If he's cool with that, we're good to go. Yeah, the... They very smartly never explicitly give you what it is that Kong likes about the woman, Right. Maybe it's seeing some... How old is Kong supposed to be? Again, they, you, don't, you don't know, right? So it could be hundreds of years old. Yeah. So this is the first new thing he's seen forever. Yeah. That could be it. Like, um, in both the remakes, they uh, tried to be a bit more explicit. In the 76 one, one of the... When she escapes and she's like, oh, no, don't hurt him, it's nice. One of the dudes says, he was going to rape you. <laughs> Which is like, that's awkward, I don't need that in my King Kong film. Yeah. But then in the 2005 one, they try and make it more of just like a... He sees her as like a pet and a plaything and... Yeah. Oh, one more Hayes Code point. Um, hmm. I guess in 1933, you weren't supposed to color, uh, to notice the, the actors of different colors, but um, the person they're going to sacrifice before Anne... Man, she's not wearing anything. No, she is not wearing anything. <laughs> I was like, that really? Even before the Hayes Code that got by? Whoa. <laughs> Metropolis had a bit of that as well. Yeah, that's German, though. Germans are into that stuff. Well, but also, like, <laughs> even, like, within my lifetime, it's been a thing that, like, nudity doesn't count when you show African people. <laughs> like, just, like, Nas- National Geographic documentaries. Uh, yeah, just women okay, with that, all the time. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so are they... Well, this is not National Geographic, but... Uh, no, but it, it was just, like... Well, like we talked about earlier, there's, like, a bit of a dehumanizing effect mm. when they deal with the islanders. And I think it was just like, ah, no one's going to care because, you know, she's not a white American woman. So here they just, it's just a matter of people basically not knowing about the world very well. Right. And, uh, imperial pride. So is that why in the, the 2005 one in particular we have to throw a bunch of dirt on them so we can dehumanize them? Yeah, they have to make it some sort of weird occult bizarre yeah. thing because it can't just be we find a tribe where they sacrifice people. Right, right. Because, uh, again, the tribe, seen, they, they can party, they got nice drums, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember the, the, the village life looking far bleaker in the later versions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this one, yeah, like I said, it seems like they have a society. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get back to Kong, because he's dope. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being careful. It's hard to talk about Kong without getting too much into the effects, which I want to save for a bit. But uh, can yeah. we, So what else do you want to say about Kong's character because this this uh stop motion monkey of course does have a fair amount of it yes so um for example one thing which i love 
and which has sort of become Kong's signature move because he's used it in a lot of films since. When he defeats the T-Rex by grabbing its jaw and snapping it in half. That was brutal. But then afterwards, he like playfully like goes, jump, jump, jump. Yeah, he is like, I don't think he's meant to be hundreds of years old because I always get something quite childlike from King Kong. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm seeing the, the grandpa itchy leers on his face because, yeah. man, his smiles in this one, man, is <laughs> weird. But, like, when he has to fight, he's brutal, but the rest of the time he is just kind of a big, playful monkey. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Kind of, I like it. That's also why in both, well, in the original King Kong vs. Godzilla and probably in the new one, it's much easier to position Kong as a hero and Godzilla as the villain. Right, because he just does have something more friendly and personable about him. Well, he's a primate. His, well, yeah, he, Again, you're calling him a monkey, trait. but he's, yeah, he's, he's, not, a he's a gorilla, right? This is, you don't call a gorilla a monkey, they'll, they'll curb stomp you. <laughs> but like his big character trait has always been that he likes the lady, so... <laughs> he is much more of a character. Whereas yeah. Godzilla is just a big hulking metaphor. Like. Right, right, right. <laughs> so... I, in the, the realm of Japanese monsters, Mothra has always had a little more of the edge on the hero side. Of her. Yeah, but Mothra's like a weird mystical thing. He's got the peanuts and all that. But yeah. He, she is Mothra? She, she's okay, a she. she. Okay, yeah. I thought I messed that up. Yeah. Uh, well, mm. hey, we'll probably talk about Godzilla in a future episode. Let's not get too much into that. Right, right. Just wanted to throw it out there because it's yeah. uh, a good time to think about it. This is the most villainous Kong has been portrayed. Yeah. And... Even here, he's still kind of like... He's, he's just lovable. a victim of circumstance, if he's anything. Yeah, he's weirdly lovable. It's like how, yeah, you, you know, uh, the prowling tiger in the, in the jungle, you want to root for it, but you don't want to run into it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, well, exactly, Kong's just doing his thing in the jungle, and they take him back to New York, and of course he causes trouble in New York, because <laughs> it's not where he belongs, right? Right. That he's never portrayed as evil or anything. And he's only in this situation because humans put him in this situation. Okay, he's a force of nature. We didn't yeah. start well, Kong. He's an animal. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very an much an animal. Even though he's like, because he doesn't shoot laser beams or breathe fire or anything. He's yeah. just big. So uh, he's very much an, an animal, just a natural creature. Right. And again, not to harp on it too much, but maybe that's where the disconnect with Godzilla is. Uh, we that was our screw up. That was our bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Whereas Kong, if you leave him alone, you're okay. Yeah, he's just Kong and his Kong. Hey, we've got Kong or Kong sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Time moves backwards, I get older and younger, and I see. I don't always like the things I observe there to be. I don't claim to be the truth. Here's the thing. King Kong doesn't bang his chest that much in this film. No. That's like the iconic King Kong thing, right? The big chest bang. He just does like a two-handed, like, when he beats the dinosaur, and that's about it. I think he That's does one enough, the, though, isn't it? I think he does one at the airplanes as well. But yeah. again, I'm getting confused with the remakes. You might... I think... Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say he does it here. Yeah. It's a bit... It's like a... If he does it once, it goes in. I mean, uh, you you... I mean, how many times does Enterprise go to warp in a movie, right? You yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, how, well, how many times does Kirk say, beam me up, Scotty? Literally zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he, he does definitely bonk it when he's on the T-Rex. So we, yeah, that's but not, like... We are remembering that correct. In other ones, it's just he's doing it all the fucking time, right? That's his thing. But okay. It was so, just one little animation in this one. You said this was his little thing, but um, when, when, when do you bang your chest? Um, I definitely do sometimes. I'm trying to think. Yeah, what... what, what? It has to be epic in order to do that. You can't do it for nothing. I think I do it at the end of gym sessions sometimes. There we go. Okay. So, oh, same no, with Kong. Not... He just had a session. He had a training yeah, session. Yeah. He killed a dinosaur. Yeah! Power! If I ever did find myself killing a dinosaur, I would definitely beat my chest and roar. Like... Oh, with one foot on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Especially if you're as big as the dinosaur. It might be a... It might yeah, be it'd a... have to be like a raptor. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not going to be a T-Rex, but... I think it'd still be impressive if I snapped a raptor's jaw. Yeah, oh, if you can rip it, tear it in half, definitely. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, uh, for a puny human, a T-Rex and a raptor are pretty much equally deadly, I guess. Yeah. They probably have bird feathers, though. How would this movie work if all of the dinosaurs looked like birds? 
I think it'd still be good. It'd still be good. Should See, they? See, I, I wish more films would just give us those feathery dinosaurs. Let, let's let's digitally enhance this one so all the dinosaurs have feathers. See, what you're Everyone talking about, will love that. Talking about the problem with the Jurassic Park sequels, right? The first Jurassic Park was good because it was like, this is how dinosaurs... At that point in time, that was our understanding of like the most accurate depiction of dinosaurs. But they still have to do that in new ones or they're no, screwing but, around with the old movies. Right, but in the new ones, they're like, oh, but that's not the most accurate version of dinosaurs anymore. But we're just going to stick with it anyway. So, so all the like scientific... They even explain, yeah, they explain that in the movie, he says, like, they? Oh, this isn't really what they'd look like. Did you watch the most recent Jurassic World thing? No. I didn't either. <laughs> I saw Jurassic World. I yeah. didn't see that. I, I, I didn't even like not like Jurassic World. Same here. But by the time Lost Kingdom, I just I just don't care. What kingdom? Lost Kingdom. Okay, it's not Fallen Kingdom. What's oh, Fallen maybe it kingdom? is Fallen Kingdom. It might be. I'm getting confused with Lost World. We don't yeah, exactly. care. That's the yeah. problem. And that like they brought back Goldblum and everyone. I should have been. Is so Chris into Pratt it. in it? Yeah. They brought Gro- Goldblum back for Lost World, and as as fantastic as he is, it didn't save the Lost World. No, true. <laughs> And, and neither did bringing back Sam Neill for Jurassic Park 3. Although I, I like that better than The Lost World. I kind of like 3, yeah. yeah. I like the Spinosaurus. It's a cool dinosaur. Yeah. I also like the dream where the raptor talks to him. 3's more like Kong, too. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no villagers, but that's probably for the best. Well, the problem with 3 is just that, like, it's after the first 10 minutes, no one dies. Yeah. So, okay. like, it kind of loses its drama. Ah, there we go. But like, the raptors were cool in that one. They seemed pretty smart. Yeah, I remember not... And that was the last one that used puppets as well. Puppets are fun. Yeah. Let's go play with some puppets. So this this film would still be triple I'm going to start over. This film would still be triple flipper if it were just 90 minutes of stop-motion monster bras. That's all I want. Yeah, it took 45 <laughs> minutes, to, or 55, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would watch just 90 minutes of just Kong fights everything. So that made me think of, like, we're getting into the design here, which is good, but obviously has technical limitations in 1933. Uh, a lot of it, it made me think of, like, a dark ride at a theme park, because it's like there's the setting and there's the people like the fake palm trees and then right. there's like a screen with the monster action happening yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> but when they pulled this off this was really groundbreaking yeah of course and of course it looks cheesy but it's still fun and exciting well it looks uh, i've said before um you know there's a difference between like i guess um effects that look good and effects that look creative right so they don't look good anymore but they're very creative <laughs> yeah 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 and you still it's still exciting and fun action. And right. the characters still interact in an entertaining way. Well, I guess a good effects crew, they sort of imbue their work with, you know, their, um, not ambition, their enthusi- enthusiasm. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the film, I mean, the effects maybe now they, they you know what? They still look good. They're just yeah. clearly effects. Right, but there's <laughs> so much character yeah. in Kong and in the dinosaurs and everything. Right. And, like, the animations, like I said, they, they are still using those moves in, like, newer Kong movies. Because they just captured, you know, he's a gorilla, he's a bit smarter, and he's fighting like a smart gorilla would fight. And it looked good. <laughs> yeah. And then they're also throwing all that money into, like, the sets and stuff. Um, that village is quite epic. Yeah, 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 you've got big sets. And then you've got, like, big animatronic Kong hands and feet and faces, right? Right. So it... Oh, it's like the... With CGI today, it looks best when it's also mixed with lots of real things about the camera. And this works because the stop motion is mixed with lots of life-size Kongs in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, okay, this is not the first time they did dinosaurs in the, in, on the big screen. I believe there's a silent Lost World. Conan, sure, Sir Arthur Conan yeah, Doyle's Lost that, World. Yeah, but was that when they did just, they literally just like, attached some spikes to some iguanas and filmed them. I think that might be the case. Yeah, there's a feel like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is very groundbreaking. I think it's the first time they tried to do, like, legit dinosaurs. Yeah, I don't know if this is the, f- like, the inception of stop motion, but it's when it brought it to, like, the big time, right? Yeah, and um, I, I put my last note here, so we can't forget Ray Howie, How- Howie Hausen. Did I just say his Ray name? Harryhausen. Thank you. Okay, um, I believe he worked on this. He wasn't in charge, but this is where he got cut his teeth here, if I remember. I don't know if he worked on this, 
but he worked with the guy who did this. Okay, okay. I think, yeah, I don't think he was old enough to be actually working on King Kong. Okay, those thumbprints are definitely all over it, because if yeah. you, you dig this stop motion, you go watch Sinbad, right? Yeah, maybe he worked on, like, Mighty Joe Black or something a few years later. That but with the yes. with the effects artist who did King Kong. Yeah, a anyway, the tradition of this kind of effect definitely starts here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, I love all of that shit as well. And is it dead? Star Wars still had it, right? They had the 3D... Um, Weird chess game thing. Yeah, I well, the tauntauns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars, they came up with an interesting technique. They would put small motors inside the models so that as each frame was taken, it was moving slightly. Mm. So that when it, the, when it was animated, it looked a little more natural because okay. it would be blurry in each shot. So do we have any real nice... Uh, we got nice stop-motion animation. We yeah, I was going to say, these days, stop-motion is used on its own. Yeah. But it's never used in effect in live-action stuff. Man, the Terminator had stop-motion. Yeah, the original. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was a life size. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I, I, I'm just trying to pinpoint the last time we saw a stop motion in a non-animated film. <laughs> I think it would have been either Terminator or Star Wars. Yeah, I can't think of any. Return of the Jedi. Terminator. The Rancor is all puppets, right? It's not stop motion. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is correct. So yeah, maybe. Actually, yeah, maybe it's the Terminator. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some, like, obscure ones we don't know about. Mm. But in terms of ones that... Like big-budget movies. Yeah, 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 That had a cultural impact. I mean, maybe, you know, They Live might have done stuff. stuff oh, like um, so Jurassic Park, they almost went with stop motion. Should they have? No, but here's what's interesting. <laughs> when they did the CGI, they had, like, a stop-motion skeleton. So they would animate it by hand, the same way you'd animate a stop-motion dinosaur. Mm. But then that was fed into the computer and turned into a CG one. And people look at now, oh, CG dinosaurs, but there's an awful lot of animatronics in that. Right, movie. again, that's why it works, because it used the CG sparingly. Because you watch the new ones, it's all just straight CG dinosaurs. Yeah, and then the close-ups look terrible. <laughs> and there's making up dinosaurs, yeah. Yeah, um, oh, yeah they started on that. Oh, yeah, you, you giggled when you saw my cave for, uh, I, I said Kong's cave suggests he likes the smell of fart. <laughs> it just looked like a stinky place. I mean, it's a cave where a giant gorilla lives, so it's gonna stink, right? <laughs> uh, back to my smell of it. I've got man. a fart story to tell you. <laughs> of course. So, uh, last week at work, so you know we got the stairs outside the building to go yeah, from the yeah. second floor to the first floor. I was walking down those. I think I must have had my headphones in or whatever. I just, with each step, I was doing just like a little fart, like a little... <laughs> and giggling to myself about it. <laughs> and I got to the bottom and turned around. And one of her colleagues, who's very quiet and shy, <laughs> had been walking behind me every step. <laughs> and I'm like, I know she'll never bring this up, but she definitely heard every single one of those farts. <laughs> and and me laughing to myself about the fact I was fine. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So the climactic moment of King Kong. Uh, well, uh, first, uh, New York City. Yeah. Looks real good in this movie. This is the best New York looks in, like, any movie, basically. Yeah, well, if I think of New York, I think Spider-Man and King Kong. No, I went That's to... New York to me. I went to the top of the Empire Trade... Empire Trade Building. <laughs> 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 well, the, the 76 does use the World Trade Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, you know, I was thinking Kong when I went to the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, I, if, when I got there, I would be thinking the same thing, right? I did go to the top of the World Trade Center in 1993, oh. high school trip, and shot, tried to get perspective shots of my friends so it looked like they were falling off. That <laughs> seems kind of... <laughs> you still got those photos? Because they'd be weird now. Yeah, I got them in my parents' house in the States. I, they're not, like, digitized, right? right. But yeah, I still have the photos. Because <laughs> I have them in the observation where they're like, ah! Yeah. Hey, I was a 15 year old or 14 year old in 1993. It was fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, it's, it's only wildly offensive now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, 1920s King Kong, like, sorry, 1920s and 30s New York is like one of the coolest places that the earth has ever produced, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that is the height of Art Deco cool. So. And the Chrysler building is way cooler than the Empire State building. The Chrysler building is cool. Oh, no, wait, that's the Baxter building. I was going to say, because it's where the Fantastic Four... Oh, no, the Baxter building's even cooler. Or, or, or Four Freedoms Plaza, right? They don't, they, they don't really have that. Or X-Factor's giant ship, that's not there either. No, I know. I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> but yeah, like, well, similar to how with Terminator it was made, he had the image in his head of a skeleton comes out of the fire. This movie was made from, he had the image in his head of a gorilla fighting planes on top of 
the Empire State Building. That's a good image. And he worked backwards from there. And the Empire State Building was only about a year old at this point. Yeah, it was I mean, pretty it was new, brand right? spanking new. It's like when they stuck the um, Millennium Ferris wheel thing in, in the Bond film. Right, yeah, yeah. It just been there. So, oh, we got to use that. Yeah. Didn't work as well as the Empire State Building Kong, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, the Empire State Building was the tallest building in the world for a long time, right? Yeah, I, I think it so. took a while for it to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the plan at the top, I, I had to put down a quote. This isn't quite designed, but um, Driscoll's like, if the planes can hit him without hitting her, while he's, like, wildly lunging off the top of the... Well, How does like, that work? I like that whole scene where it's like, oh, I've got this smashing idea that no one else would have thought of. Airplanes! <laughs> like, it's like these guys who have the airplanes didn't think of this before this random sailor came up with well, it. They were at the airport. They didn't know about... Well, like, but it's like they had to, obviously, we were well past the point where he could actually save the day, but it still had to be him who did something. <laughs> so he came up with the concept of planes. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to keep shitting on Denim's head as well, but he's, like, apparently the people coming to see Kong have paid $20 in a depression in 1933, and they don't even know what they're there for. What? This isn't a movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is he... We're, I think, they again, they do point this out in The Simpsons. What are we just going to do? Sit here for two hours and stare at him? <laughs> I mean, I would. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but still, you feel like... Sh- uh, also, I don't, I don't like animals in, like, zoos as it is. I don't want to see King Kong in bondage. No, like. should they have, like, the Rockettes come out? Like, <laughs> I, I know they're going to, like, interview... Uh, well, I think they put on a bit more of a show in the remake. Yeah, they did, they did. Maybe that's where I'm thinking the Rockettes come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here, it's just like, hey, look at him, there he uh, is. At the 70s one, he's just, like, he's at, like, a promotional event for an oil company. <laughs> <laughs> because imperialism. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the 70s one leans really into... The reason they go to Skull Island is they think it has oil. Oh, okay. I, again, I have not actually seen that one, or, or King Kong Lives. It's a weird one where it kind of doesn't hold up, but also does. Yeah. Which well, is the Lim- Linda Hamilton one, King Kong Lives? Okay, so we've got King Kong, mm. son of Kong. Mighty Joe Young go in there? Uh, it's not actually related, but okay. yeah. King it's Kong like vs. Godzilla. King Kong vs. Godzilla. And then there was another Japanese sequel, King Kong Escapes, mm. where he fights a Robo Kong. I was yeah. about to say, is there a Mecha Godzilla yeah, yeah. versus Mecha yeah. Kong out there? Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's, yeah, then there's the 1976 King Kong, and the sequel to that, King Kong Lives, which is the Linda Hamilton one. That one's got a Lady Kong in it. Ooh. <laughs> he needs a Lady Kong. Then there's. <laughs> After that is the 2005 Peter Jackson King Kong, which remakes this one, even sets it in the 30s. Right. And then it's Skull Island. And then it'll be Godzilla vs. Kong. Right. He does cameo in Godzilla King of the Monsters. I need to... Oh, I haven't finished it. That's why. Yeah, they just... They just you, you don't, like, <laughs> properly see him, but they talk about him and you see him in, like, yeah. footage and stuff. I do want to talk the music just a little bit. Um, your impressions? Um, so, the problem I have... A few of the bits of music from this one do show up in the Peter Jackson one, but then I start getting confused about what is in this one and what's in the Peter Jackson because <laughs> I love the soundtrack in that film. Yeah, yeah, that had a good one. Um, but I noticed a lot, the themes in this are very similar to what would go on to be the Godzilla theme tune. Ah, so this okay. did just write the book on, this is the music that goes with a big monster. And right. it's... Bum, 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 um, you know, stompy, stompy music. I just want to talk about the dude for a little bit because he's interesting. Uh, okay. That is Max Steiner. Right. An Austrian-born composer. And this is interesting. I, I was just listening to a, a podcast a few weeks about, like, immigrant composers. Okay. So there's a lot of composers that ended up in America, and Max Steiner is one of the ones uh, you were kind of joking, oh, and a monster came to power, Adolf Hitler, but that's why one of the... That had to do with Max Steiner ending up in the States and right. doing the soundtrack to King Kong. Um, okay. Very early on, he was already, you know, but even by 33, like, Jewish people were, like, being cut out of teaching their composition classes and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. so we had a lot of guys that were, like, serious, you know, they wanted to write symphonies and ended up doing uh, Hollywood films. And we have an awful lot of good 30 soundtracks. Uh, Robin Hood's another one with Corngold. Uh, yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's very iconic. And, um, yeah, I guess it does basically presage that uh, Godzilla theme, isn't it? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, there's not like a lot of themes from this film which are like really clear in my head, <laughs> but the soundtrack works very well while you're watching the film. Yeah, yeah. In the in the end, we want to see a giant gorilla. Yeah. (Laughter) 
so the question we always ask is, does this film still hold up today? Yeah, it's the, this is the template for... Is this the template for the modern blockbuster? I'm I, I, I was going to use the exact same words. Yeah, <laughs> this is the blockbuster, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's simple story, effects-led, spectacle, action, thrill ride. Yeah, I, there's not, there isn't anything before this, especially in the science fiction realm, which we are um, stretching into monster movie territory, of course, here. But <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, this is... The pacing, again, I, I guess for a modern viewer, that's why this maybe 100 minutes is so nice and streamlined, because as we see with the newer one, you blow it up to a three-hour movie now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, this one clicks, but it's basically got most of the same beats as a modern blockbuster. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, it moves at a pace. It's full of action. It never gives you time to get bored of anything. Has, you know, little gags here, a bit of excitement there. And a bit of the ultra violence, which we didn't get to have for about 35 years after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some nice blood and stuff in there. I have, don't know if I've ever watched any, but there's been a couple, like, colorized versions, right? Yeah, I haven't watched I those. hope they've got, like, real red blood. Just red blood. Yeah. Sin City style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what, you mean just like black and white with blood? Yeah. Yes, I would actually watch that. <laughs> I was say, I'd be telling that version. <laughs> yeah, I think the next time we got this much violence in a Hollywood film was probably The Wild Bunch. Oh, yeah, when was that? Uh, the six, 68, 69, it's Western. And uh, the final showdown just has, um, they're, they're given like early Gatling guns. Okay. So it just has people getting ripped apart by Gatling guns and like blood spurts. But <laughs> yes. um, before that, you got to go back to Kong for uh, action quite that intense uh, before it, I believe. Huh. You know, Ben Hur has a nice chariot ride, right? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's not so gory. <laughs> I seem to remember some people getting stabbed and shit. Well, yeah, but so serendipitously, they're just like, cool, right? right and you don't yeah, really yeah. see so much. And, of course, there's some the, some foreign films that might, you know... Oh, of course. Scratch, scratch, stretch, stretch the boundaries a bit. But, um, yeah, this was about as far as they allowed the boundaries to be stretched for several decades, which I guess gave it time to, uh, you know, ferment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's one of those situations where, like, by the time the Peter Jackson remake was made, Kong was, like, a classic of cinema and a masterpiece and blah, blah, blah. And so he felt that it should be a three-hour epic. But when it released, it was just fun blockbuster, you know, popcorn entertainment. Yeah. Like how like Shakespeare or something. He was mm. written as just trash for the like, public. When, but now it's a masterpiece or whatever. When you know this... Uh, of course you know there's some cutscenes. Have yeah, you yeah. seen them? The photo? I think it's just photos. Got, there's only photos. There's only and photos. then when Peter Jackson made the remake, he actually made stop-motion replacement scenes. This movie, this movie did not need giant spiders. No. I mean, I, I can definitely see if you're making it in 2005, let's do it. But yeah. uh, this, it, it's fine that never made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't like, I don't know. I'm like Indiana Jones. The thing that really gets me are snakes. I had the bug in my ears. Like, is it gone? It's gone. You could tell me there's like a fucking spider on my shoulder. Is it gone? It's gone. Tell me there's a snake there. I'm running out. The, uh, the opposite. We're in a temple again, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just noticed there's a big ass fucking bug right under your butt. Is there? Dead. Um, it's dead? Yeah, yeah, it's a cicada or whatever. Really? You've been sounding it the oh, whole time. Oh, yeah. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, snakes I actually find kind of cool, but spiders bother me. Oh, okay. Although, I'll... I guess if a snake was just actually approaching us right now, there's more literal danger than with a spider. Yeah. Although I was, I was walking along um, the way we've, to the rice field, you've been on the yeah. road, and uh, yeah, I just encountered a very psychedelic snake on the road a few weeks ago. I was like... It was yeah. very colorful, yeah. I can avoid that one pretty easily. So. Yeah. But it was in the middle of the road. It was pretty wild. I've gotten over my spider fear a bit from being in Japan just because they're fucking everywhere. Like mm. big, stripy yellow ones and shit. So right, right, right. <laughs> they don't bother me as much as they used to. No. Yeah, this film didn't need one, but I would love to see it if it ever is, does surface. Just because I, like I like the effect in these films. Oh, oh I want yeah, it. I would love to I see an see actual deleted scene for that. Yeah. But I would not want to like reinsert it into no, the movie. No, I don't think it's needed. Like that. And we don't need a special edition of King Kong. <laughs> I guess we will talk about 2005. But this, I, I think I told you my special edition for that is where they, you know, it's cut down to 90 minutes, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> then I think I'd like as much as this one. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm in the very specific audience of, Give me as much Kong as you can fit on a disc, right? Like, but I, yeah, it's. I don't think it's as bad as The Hobbit, but it is bloated way beyond what yeah. it needs to be. Yeah. So if you know what, if we do have listeners, tell us what Kong you want, because what what Kong do you want next? No, fuck you, we're doing all of them. Son of Kong. We're doing next. Son is next. Okay. <laughs> 
Because if, if a listener ever contacted us, we would drop everything because it tells we had a listener. Yeah, see, see, <laughs> see the map perspective is I, I watched Skull Island once. I want to watch it again. Oh, by the way, we did actually have a message from a listener. Yeah. They wanted to do Fifth Element. I can do that. I'm well up for that, yeah. Okay, we'll listener, dear, dear listener, we will do that uh, sooner rather than later because <laughs> I want to watch Fifth Element. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun film. Um, I guess we're wrapping up? Yeah, yeah, I like it. And uh, definitely monster movies and possibly just blockbusters in general exist because King Kong existed. Yeah, really. Metropolis is a nice, smart sci-fi, you know, philosophy, right? This is like, let's let's see some... I want to see a gorilla punch a dinosaur. No, I want, you know see, a, I want, I want to see a gorilla rip a T-Rex's head in half. That's yeah. What, yeah. Um, anyway, where can they find us? Oh, well, they can find the podcast on Twitter at MLSFSPod. You can find me on Twitter at Buskalili. Um, I do another podcast about Pokemon, if that's what you're into. For years, I've been doing, like, Monster Hunter and Pokemon podcasts. And any time I get some sort of big gorilla monster shoehorning in King Kong references. <laughs> so now I've actually been able to do my King Kong podcast. <laughs> I'm happy. Um, and you can find Matt on the internet. He doesn't really do social media, but he does do music, which you can find at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. In fact, I want a double plug. Um, we, I, I is just, that what your wife's into? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just released an album, uh, December 28th, which should be That'll in the be past in the when you hear this. Point, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and you're hearing the music from that in the podcast, so do dig into that. And a few weeks ago, you heard... Um, my insane new album, uh, same date release uh, in the holiday special. So if you do like it, um, you know, get into it. And, uh, and if you don't want to pay the small price I'm going for those, go for any other ones which are free. <laughs> do it. Um, Matt's music is weird, but it is fun. And you're hearing it if you're listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> Speaking of caves that smell of farts, <laughs> oh, it was silent, lame. Yeah, really. I was like, kind of a little downtrodden there by the lack of... I'll probably smell it put, now. Put it. in like a big thunderous fart noise when you do the edit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll put it in right here. <laughs> that was just you. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> Let's end this. Okay, this has been Matt. This has been Luke. It is time for you to... Get the fuck out of our sci-fi sanctuary. Bye-bye. Yeah.
Well, 